This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Thanks for tuning in to the Raider Cody Podcast, the official podcast of RaidersBeat.com. What's up, Raider Nation? This is Wayne Mabry, a.k.a. The Violator, and you're listening to the Raider Cody Podcast Show. Get your ears on and get some of this. Yeah! What's up, Raider Nation? We're fresh out the Senior Bowl game, and we're fired up, man. It was cool to see the coaching staff get a win. Chris, White Tiger, Y Song, how you doing, man? Doing awesome, man. Really excited for this podcast and uh, talk Raider football, bro. Yeah, dude. We got some new stuff going. You guys noticed the introduction. The song is a little bit different. We made some adjustments. Of course, we are full-blown jumping into Raiders Beat now. Yeah. We're the official podcast at RaidersBeat.com, and uh, they're already starting to help us out. We got a pretty good guest coming on later in the show. Eddie Bersili. EB. Yeah, man, we're lined up for it. We're ready to go. We got a lot of content to get through, Chris. So let's uh, let's quit messing around. Let's jump into these announcements. Let's do it. Tight end Jared Cook has been added to the Pro Bowl roster this week, replacing tight end Travis Kelsey. This will be Cook's first Pro Bowl appearance and very much earned. John Gruden announced at the Senior Bowl in an interview that he will gain clarity on Marshawn Lynch's health and desire to play after the Super Bowl. Said the team would obviously be interested in having him back. Lamonte Wilson is no longer with the Raiders as the director of player engagement. Raiders quarterback coach Brian Callahan has moved on to the Cincinnati Bengals as he will be their new offensive coordinator. Former Buccaneers defensive line coach Brenton Buckner has been hired to the same position with the Oakland Raiders. Previously, the Raiders had Mike Travok as their defensive line coach, but he has been moved to a senior advisory role closer to John Gruden. After Sunday's NFC Championship game, Saints versus Rams, of course, there was a lot of questions raised. Not even I'm not even going to talk about Chris. I'm not even going to talk about the blatant missed pass interference call but after that I mean it's caused a lot of conflict on the overtime rules arguing that the coin toss plays too much into a winning factor and for me I don't really know man I don't really have much of an opinion on it but I did see a stat that over the last 120 overtime games the team that starts with the ball first is 60 53 and 7 that's a 53 percent win rate not enough to warrant any change in my opinion but I mean of course in the last few years we've seen it in the last I'd say five or six years it's gone from a completely defense wins championships to I mean it's a passing league and things have adapted Chris what's your take on this uh overtime rule well I don't like it really um you know I think 
you know, the if you look at it and compare it to college, I, I don't want it to be exactly what college is, but I think right now they have a better system. I think it's unfair um, for the type of year that, you know, even though I'm not a Chiefs guy, I respect the Chiefs, uh, you know, young quarterback in Patrick Mahomes. And for him to not have an opportunity, you know, in overtime is tough. You know, right. and obviously during the regular season, I'm not, I'm not about the ties. I think tying, um, obviously in the playoffs we don't tie, but during the regular season, you know, this is America. I don't think America is about ties. Um, so, you know, in my opinion, um, even if let's say playoffs where there, there aren't any ties, if a team goes down and scores a touchdown, the other team should have an opportunity to go down and match that. Now with what you're saying, I feel like that would maybe lead games into being extremely extended. I feel like, like you said, uh, they can go back and forth. It's a lot easier to drive down the field and score. What would your solution be to these teams going back and forth and scoring every possession throughout overtime? Well, this is a, even more of a – that's a good point, Cody. And, and this is even more of an issue in the regular season, I feel like, than it is the playoffs. But I think if in overtime, if a team goes down and scores a touchdown, you can raise the difficulty, right, and then not allow a regular extra point. Make them go for two. Okay. So there's only two-point conversions. And then if they get it or don't get it, then the other team – that gets the ball because they'll have the right to drive down and score a touchdown too, then they also have to have a two-point conversion, get it. Now, what are the chances that both teams drive down, score touchdowns, and both convert the two-point conversion? Then from there, if you want, you know, you can you can go first score after that wins. But I feel like that would eliminate a lot of those issues, and you play the percentages. Um, at the end of the day, during the regular season, I wouldn't want any ties. And in the playoffs mm – -hmm. Man, if a game gets down to that and that's all happening, well, that's great for ratings in the playoffs. It's not so much of a mm -hmm. concern about time because at that point you're talking about one of the classic games of all time, right? Yeah. So, um, but to to just uh, an entire season building all the way to the playoffs, you battle in a game and it's tied at the end of regulation and you lose the coin toss and your defense gives up a touchdown and you don't even get the opportunity mm -hmm. to match that. It doesn't seem right to me. And I think that, you know, the committee, uh, you know, Goodell and the whole, uh, you know, competitive committee they have for the NFL really needs to look at that and talk about, is that fair? And I know life isn't fair, right? But <laughs> I mean, the, the team should have the opportunity to yeah. match it and extend the game and, and let's throw in two point conversion. Let's make it yeah. more difficult. Oh, make so. it a lot more exciting too. So coming off the, the championship games, of course, the AFC and NFC game was very exciting. Of course we had our overtimes, uh, in both games, I'd say being very controversial for the ending, but now the matchup's still set Patriots versus Rams. Me personally, I can't stand the Patriots. I think I'm a one day Rams fan. Not really sure where I stand with it. I mean, it's still an LA team with a weird growing fan base. That's kind of irritating sometimes, but where do you stand with this matchup, Chris? How are you watching the Super Bowl? Well, I'm, uh, I got a Super Bowl party at my house. Uh, there we go. So that'll, that'll be a lot of fun. Um, obviously, you know, if you guys pay attention to what I've said, I, I'm from Southern California. So there's a lot of people that are casual fans that are all of a sudden wearing Rams jerseys now. <laughs> Even though L.A. is Raider Nation, there seems to be more Ram fans cropping up conveniently out of mm, nowhere mm. some fresh jerseys with tags on them you know mm, we're uh, looking for you but, <laughs> uh so it in one way i don't want 
the Patriots to win, right? We don't need to even dive into the Raider history with them. So whenever the Patriots lose, it's a good day, right? But it will be kind of weird for me if the Rams win the Super Bowl down here because us Raider fans always get to say, hey, there's only one team that's ever won a Super Bowl in Los Angeles, and it's the Raiders. So we wouldn't be able to say that anymore. Um, So it's kind of a lose-lose for me at the end of the day. Um, My money, though, is on the Patriots. I'm not going to bet against Bill Belichick. uh, And I think that... I think that they might win. I'm going to go with 38-24 Patriots. I think they control the game and win it. I have a lot of respect for McVay and Gurley and Aaron Donald and all those talented players, but uh, I have a little more respect for Bill Belichick. Yeah, I agree with you. It's hard to bet against the Patriots, especially against a team that hasn't been to that stage in a long time. The last time they were in the playoffs was last year, and they got bounced out in the first round. So it's one of those things you never know what they're going to bring. I like how you brought that up about Rams fans, dude. I uh, went to dinner tonight, and a guy and his wife came up and sat next to us, and he had a fresh-looking Rams sweatshirt on. Looked uh, looked pretty crisp, man. Looked good. So I tapped him on the shoulder. I said, hey, man, your tag's still on the back of your sweater. <laughs> you did not say that. <laughs> he, he legit turned around to check to see if that tag was still on the back of the sweater, and that's kind of where I lost it. <laughs> oh, then you know. Then you know, man. All right, Chris, let's quit jacking around with outer Raiders news. That's nothing that none of us like to talk about. Yeah, so let's, let's go back ahead. to the nation, man. Let's exactly. get back to the Raiders. Exactly, man. Let's jump back into the team. Let's jump back into the category of why we fired this episode up. Offensive linemen. Uh, this position group has, for the most part, been a focus point for our team throughout every offseason. It feels like, on paper, our team or our offensive line should be improving. Uh, no matter what it is, making you know draft picks, uh, roster moves, we've been one of the highest paid offensive lines in the last three or four years. So at that point, you should see improvement. But when you look at it, 2016, 18 sacks. 2017, 24 sacks. Now this year, it over doubles. It goes to 52 sacks, which, funny thing, Chris, I thought it was 51 sacks, but it ended up official number 52, which is... uh, a number that seems to haunt us. Yeah, this year. yeah. I don't know why that number's like hurting my feelings <sighs> right now. I can't quite put my you can't get away from wrap it. my finger around why fifty two's hurting me right now. Dude. Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, we can't get away from it. I'm telling you. <laughs> and Chris, obviously, offensive line has been a popular topic. It's been hard to pinpoint what our problem has been all year. I think a lot of it's come down to the coaching staff, but I think there's something to do with player personnel. So let's go through the stuff and let's see if we can find something out. I'm going to open this thing up the right way, Chris, and just go right off the bat with center Rodney Hudson. Obviously the one guy that this offensive line needs to continue to get built around. His PFF grade this year was 76.5 overall. That's fourth out of 39 qualifying centers, and there's really nothing that needs to be said about this guy. I mean, he's been completely solid his entire career with the Raiders. Since coming in in 2015, he's had 2,530 snaps, pass blocking only, of course, 2,530, but he's only allowed two sacks and 27 pressures. I mean, that's absolutely nuts. This guy's an absolute stud, and it's a complete slap in his face that he was not a pro bowler again this year. What do you have to say about Rodney, Chris? Not just the pro bowler. You know, pro bowl is, you know, it's a really good accomplishment, but he should be an all pro. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, uh, in my opinion, tops at his position in the NFL. 
but regarding his contract situation, he's only under contract through next season, a little over $10 million, worth every penny, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, he has some cap hits uh, against our cap in 2020, 21, and 22, but he's not under contract. So I assume those are from some restructure uh, to free up cap space situations uh, that kind of got bumped to those years. Um, but he's only under contract for one more year. So, you know, that should be maybe a priority uh, for Mayock and Gruden to maybe get him extended beyond just this season. Um, I, I, I'm such a fan of Rodney Hudson. Mm-hmm. You know, Carr had uh, Stefan Wisniewski his rookie year and then going into his second season when we brought in Jack Del Rio and all that. Rodney Hudson was one of the biggest signings, if not the biggest signing um, of that offseason. Obviously, that was when we got Michael Crabtree, Coleccio Semele, all that. But uh, Hudson, he's been he's had the stud, you know, and, uh, you know, I think if you ask Derek Carr, who does he want his center to be the rest of his career? I think he's even been quoted saying he wants it to be Rodney Hudson every snap for the rest of his time in the NFL. So hopefully we can try to make that happen. So let's say we're building off of Rodney Hudson. Let's go to the next two guys that are sitting around him. And I'm going to go ahead and go with the 2014 third round pick right guard Gabe Jackson. He had a PFF grade of 69.2 overall. He was ranked 17th out of 88 guards this season. What do you have to say about Gabe? Really good player, obviously. Gabe is a really good player. Um, it was a great pick. I mean, he, getting you know Khalil Mack, Derek Carr, and Gabe Jackson in the first three rounds of that draft, that's, that's Reggie McKenzie's like, highlight reel as oh, far yeah. as his drafts. You know? um, but uh, solid player, run blocking, pass blocking. Um, you know, obviously, his PFF grade has him in the top you know, third of the league in guards. Um, you look at his contract, he's under at $7 million cap hit in 2019 and a little, uh, basically around $9.6 million in 2020, 21, and 22. However, none of his contract is guaranteed. He can be cut with no dead money um, at any point. Um, but obviously, I, I definitely think, you know, in 2019, $7 million, um, he's a good player. That's a really good value. And even almost $10 million the three years after that, I think that's pretty good value. Uh, you know, I think... You know, when you look at Gabe Jackson, he's a young player mm-hmm. still, and he has a lot of value there. And if we're going to continue to build this offensive line, we he's not a guy we need to let go of. So I definitely think he's going to be in the plans moving forward. Yeah, I agree. He's not a position to upgrade. But now let's jump to the other side of the center. We'll go to left guard. We'll start with Coleccio Simile, PFF grade, 53.7 overall. He's ranked 63rd of 88. Of course, he battled through some injuries this season. But, Chris, what's your take on Coleccio Simley this season? Well, um, you know, obviously, like you mentioned, he was in the bottom third of the PFF scores for guards. Um, he's battled with some injuries. You look at his contract, he's at $10.2 million this coming season and then at a, almost $12 million in 2020. None of his contract is guaranteed, though, so he can be cut with no dead money. Um, this has been a topic we've discussed previously. Yeah. I really love KO. I Same. think he brings attitude. He's a nasty player. I mean, he'll truck guys. I mean, like it's some of those highlight reels that he had, especially in 2016, were beautiful to watch. And he was a a huge free agent to bring in. And, um, you know, he was part of a really good offensive line. But, you know, you have to look at recent production as well and what you Mm -hmm. forecast for the future. And, you know, he has struggled with injuries the last couple Mm of years. He's had, you know, and that, you know, and that doesn't say anything about him and his work ethic and how good he is. But, the fact of the matter is we're paying him a, a high price and, you know, he hasn't been on the field as much as you'd like, especially this past season. He, he was battling with, with some gnarly knee injuries. 
Um, and then you look at his performance when he was on the field, wasn't as good, maybe had to do with the fact that he was trying to play hurt and, and in some cases wasn't able to go at all. Um, so as much as I love him, I think he might be a player that when you check out the money situation, you have to consider, you know, whether it's worth it to keep him at that high price or not is his best days at that position for the Raiders behind him. Cause you don't want to pay him for what he did in 2016 and just continue to pay him because of that performance. Yeah. You want to pay him like, okay, he's going to get back to that. I'm completely confident. And if you're not then you have to consider maybe maybe letting him go. Uh, we'll see, you know, the decision they make. But I definitely wouldn't say his roster spot is solidified, at least in my opinion, uh, no. as like a guarantee. I see John Feliciano, another guy that's going to be an un- unrestricted free agent this offseason. He was a guy that came in as a fourth-round pick in 2015, and he was just the prototype Mike Tice player. I mean, he was that guard that was just massive. I mean, he has the size. He can go in there and be the guy. Of course, he hasn't necessarily lived up to the hype, but I still like him, man. He, I mean, in Miami, he was the dude. Working next to a guy like Rodney Hudson under Coleccio Simile and maybe developing next to Colton Miller, I feel like John Feliciano is a guy that hopefully we can retain this offseason under a decent contract, give him three or four years, and I'm going to still stick next to my prediction that Coleccio Simile could be on the chopping block. I hate to say it. I love Coleccio Simile. I love him. Yeah. I do. But it's just my prediction. If he sticks around, don't knock me for it because I like him. I still like him. I still like him. I'd love to see him no, in the silver I mean, and black. But You have a good point, Cody. You have a good point. I mean, and also, you know, if they do decide to move on from Assembly, they could probably get Feliciano at a, at a, at a discounted – not discounted, but compared to Assembly's oh, yeah. contract of over 10 to almost $12 million mm-hmm. in 2020 and all that. Um, so Feliciano would be cheaper. Yeah. And, you know, when you look at his performance, you know, when Feliciano was on the field, he was good. He obviously has a good relationship with Derek Carr. You see them celebrating and hanging out. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and that doesn't mean that he's a great player because he's really good friends with Derek Carr. But obviously that, you know, I don't think Carr would befriend and, you know, love a guy who wasn't a really hard worker and didn't, you know, he obviously respects him. So, you know, I think Feliciano, if he's back, he will be back with the intention of kind of taking over that second guard position. Um, you know, instead of Coleccio Assembly. And that would hurt, man. It would hurt because I love KO. But yeah, same. You know, some of this comes down to money sometimes, and uh, you know, that's just the reality of it. Yeah, I agree. And now if we're talking interior offensive line, um, I say worst-case scenario, maybe we lose John and we cut KO. Now, Ooh. whenever you look at something like that, that's brutal. Uh, what's our first option? Denzel Good, a guy that stepped in towards the end of the year, and for the most part, I didn't hear his name. And for an offensive lineman, when you don't hear their name, that's a good thing. So for Denzel Good, what do you have to say about our guy that stepped in and filled the position? Man, it's not easy to just, like you said, step in. The offensive line, I mean, I know like, you know, we had a lot of shuffling pieces this year, but it's not easy to just be a plug and play guy, you know, coming from somewhere else and and to play well. And like you said, I mean, obviously he didn't play bad enough to have his his name mentioned. He, you know, I didn't see any clips of, you know, get out the club or whatever, where he was <laughs> yeah. mauling guys. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm completely open to, you know, possibly bringing good back. I don't know about letting both assembly and Feliciano Ooh, walk though, but, uh, Denzel good is an unrestricted free agent. Um, and if we lose both of those guys, I mean, I'd like to bring good back just to be a depth guy. I mean, yeah. he has, he's not just a guard. He can play tackle as well. So mm-hmm. he has versatility. Um, you know, you need utility guys like that, but to be the starter, I don't know if I'm completely on board with that, but I do like good. 
So then whenever we're looking at the rest of our interior offensive linemen, we're looking at Chaz Green, Cameron Hunt, TJ Clemmings. Are there any names that stand out or any names that could play a role in 2019 for you? Well, Cameron Hunt, um, he's on contract uh, with the Raiders for like 570000 uh, Obviously not guaranteed. Um, you know, cutting him wouldn't save much on the cap, I don't think, because, you know, that's just, you know, the minimum or whatever. He's pretty much at it. So, mm-hmm. um, but uh, Chaz Green, unrestricted free agent. You know, so I think Hunt, uh, he has some versatility there, I believe, not only at guard, but he can play some center. Um, so he could be a quality backup if uh, he, you know, earned a spot on the team. But I don't think either one of those guys are, you know, guaranteed to be on the roster next year. I think, you know, they have just as much of a chance of being Raiders as any, you know, free agent would. Um, so, you know, it's it's tough to say there. But, uh, you know, the, I, do, I don't dislike Green or Hunt. And, um, you know, obviously, you know, Hunt, on the roster he was kind of moved around a little bit but I, I like that we that we kept him we got him under contract give him an opportunity this offseason to earn a spot so let's just go ahead and jump into these last two guys the two that were responsible for our pass blocking the most and we're under heavy fire throughout the season um, I'm just going to go ahead and start off with the first guy our 15th overall first round pick Colton Miller Colton Miller came out he looked like a surefire left tackle um he was under immediate scrutiny just by us picking him over a guy like Derwin James or even just taking what a lot of fans felt like was a reach for that offensive tackle. But he, I think, I mean, if you look at those first two or three games, he came out and he played really, really well. Um, of course, after that, he went through uh, some pretty bad knee injuries. He sprained, uh, I believe, the same knee six times over the course of like the next eight games. Uh, but eventually healed up. He was, uh, at the, I mean, I, I, if I remember right, the last few weeks, finally practicing without that knee brace. And he kind of went back to the same Colton Miller that started the season. And I really can't complain about him. So what do you think about him, Chris? You know, PFF, obviously it's a great method. Um, but kind of like maybe had to do a little bit with KO's PFF grade is that it doesn't take, you know, into an account that, you're hurt. Yep. You're playing hurt. Obviously, you're not going to be at your top performance. And in the case of Colt Miller, you saw the drop off. It was apparent when he was hurting. Oh, yeah. Um, he, you know, he was his technique got all thrown off. I think he was trying to overcompensate. He was finding himself like on his heels and the power rushes, the bull rushes. He wasn't able to deal with as well. Um, so, you know, he was it was kind of like, you know, blood in the water at that point and uh, tackles were teeing off on him when he was hurting. But when he was healthy, you know, Colt Miller was playing pretty solid, especially for a rookie starting left tackle. You know, when yeah. we first drafted him, I, I had him, you know, obviously, you know, I'm no expert. I'm not a, I'm just a Twitter GM, but I had him as my 50th player on my draft board. And, you know, obviously to take him in you know, the middle of the first round. Um, with the opportunity we had for other players, it, it was a little frustrating at, at the time, but he impressed me. Um, you know, what you hear from other players and coaches that he's an extremely hard worker. He's dedicated to his craft. He's obviously athletic. He set like combine records. Um, but with that work ethic he has, he just needs to continue to hone in on his craft. You know, a lot of people talk about he needs to get stronger, right? He needs to build into his body. Um, but I, I just think he needs to continue to you know, hone in those footwork techniques mm-hmm. that will, you know, cause obviously the technique is everything in the NFL. Cause if yeah. you're off here, the, the edge rushers are going to know it and they're going to set you up and, and they're going to, they're going to feast on you. But if your oh, yeah. technique's right and you have the body behind it, you can be solid. And I think that, you know, at the end of the day, I am much happier with the pick now 
than I was at the time that it happened. And and Colton Miller definitely has my respect. He like you said, he was he showed his toughness this year. It's not easy to play through. Those are some major injuries when you're a big boy. Very much agreed. Now we'll jump over to the other side of the offensive line. Uh, a little bit more controversial over there. Also, uh, the 65th overall pick, Brandon Parker. Uh, he finished with a PFF grade of 46.9. That's 83rd at 85. So we had our left tackle at 81st and our right tackle at 83rd. Um, and for the most part, I'd say Brandon Parker. Uh, the only thing I have to say about him was he was exclusively a left tackle in college. So jumping over to right tackle, you've seen it with Donald Penn. Of course, Donald Penn played it at a professional level for a little bit longer but it takes a little bit of a change, man. you got to switch mechanics all the way around. The comfort level isn't there. And it's one thing to go from right guard to right tackle, but to go from left tackle to right tackle and completely flipping the mechanics would be rough. Uh, Brandon Parker's a guy that, for some reason, I have a little bit of a soft spot for. I feel like he has some room to do. De- <laughs> Chris, don't laugh at me, man. He has a little bit of room to develop. Um, I'd like to see him still be able to battle for the starting spot but at the end of the day, I still see him being a good depth guy that can maybe step in and play both right tackle and left tackle for us in the next few years. What do you think about Brandon Parker? Well, I mean, it's it's really unfair for the guy. I mean, he had, you know, I believe he was a four-year starter, uh, you know, in college. Uh, you know, he wasn't at the highest level, but uh, he had a lot of college experience, a lot of, you know, game tape. So when they took him in the third round, I was like, man, like, again, felt like another reach. But mm-hmm. at the same time, there was a ton of tape to go over, so they must have seen. I believe he didn't even give up a sack throughout his entire college, collegiate career. I could be wrong on that, but I was pretty sure that that was a. Uh, you know, I heard that, and uh, you know, he was never intended to be the starting right tackle this yeah. year. I mean, we we signed, you know, Giacomini. Um, you know, we had Donald Penn, who we were kind of hoping would be able to at least play for some of the year and stay healthy. Both of those guys went down, and bam, Brandon Parker's our our starting right tackle week in and week out, and. You know, although his measurables, you know, uh, you know, and his intelligence level lined up, he clearly was raw and not ready to be the guy. But he was thrusted into the position. He didn't complain about it. He was excited about the opportunity. Did he get worked a lot? Absolutely. Yeah. Did he have a few good games? Yeah, but he got worked for, oh, yeah. uh, you know, a lot of the season, and uh, it was a problem. Um, but I definitely think Brandon Parker has a lot of room to grow. I mean, he better, right? <laughs> um, but I think the best case scenario for the Raiders is to look at Brandon Parker and say, okay, you know, he's, he's part of our future right now, but let's not have him pegged as the starting right tackle next year. Let's go into next year thinking Brandon Parker can be a really good depth swing tackle that can fill in for Colton when he's hurting or fill in for whoever at right tackle when they're hurting. And I'm completely open to drafting a plug-and-play right tackle if we, you know, go OT late in the first round or we find a, you know, there's not that many. We'll go over the free agency part, but, um, you know, maybe we find a guy there that's, you know, better right now and allow Brandon Parker to continue to develop. And, uh, you know, hey, if he has one heck of an offseason and earns it, then great. But, you know, I don't think that they should plan on that at this point. And let's not waste any time, Chris. Let's go ahead and jump into this free agents list. There's nothing huge that catches my eye. I don't see a guy on that list that, you know, it's a it's a it's a player that we should attack and let him become a starter. But uh maybe first guy on the list, Roger Saffold. What do you think about Roger? Wait, would he pass his physical this time or would he get <laughs> like sign and then nah, no thanks. 
That was crazy, man. And then for him to go to another team and, and be a very solid player, that was a little bit of a slap in the face. That's kind of our, our typical Raider uh, drama that goes on around here, man. Yeah, I, I can't remember how much like money McKenzie offered him, but I remember it being decently substantial, and a lot of Raider fans were like, no – and so we're like, yes, and there was some <laughs> arguing about it, and then it didn't happen at all. So <laughs> it's like there's kind of something the, going on there, man. It's one of those that things was, that's yeah, like, that was an interesting situation. But uh, you know, man, this right tackle is just it's just been an issue. You know, even when the Raiders offensive line was good a couple years ago in twenty sixteen, you know, we had Austin Howard, not not a premier player at the position, yeah. not a above average guy in the position, you know, and then 2017, we brought in Marshall Newhouse at a, you know, cheap <laughs> veteran rate, and he's not a starting player, um, you know, so I- I'm tired. And then obviously Brandon Parker was thrust into the role. I'm tired of like having that position be such a struggle. You know, yeah. we need to have, we have a pocket passer quarterback. We got to have the tack. And then this AFC West division, we got to have this position solidified. So I'm tired of the, I-, I don't want an average to below average free agent option, option man. I want, I want the answer. So then for me, if I was to choose, of course, I feel like guard, we have it solidified. We have we have the options there. Um, I'd say we're a little bit overloaded on guard on our end. So I feel like one of the three main guys, we're going to lose one of them. Uh, but at some point for right tackle, what do you think? I mean, if I'm looking at names, do you see maybe a reunion with uh, Jared Vildeer? I mean, is he a guy maybe that we bring back and let him plug in there, or who I mean, do you that's see? That's another thing. Are we just plugging in another guy? Ooh. You know what I mean? Like I, you know, Veldir. Obviously, there's a lot of names on there that you know Veldir is probably better than, right? Um, there's Cameron Fleming. He played yep. in New England and just played in Dallas. You know, is he a legitimate like starting right tackle? You know, he's mm. only 26 or 27, I believe. Um, that's an option to think about, but. I mean, you know, we're going to segment into the draft here pretty soon, but I think I think it's time to draft the answer at the oh, right tackle position. Absolutely. So. I'm glad you said that because right. I, I look at free agents and it's like, for the most part, there's a lot of good guys, and I feel like there's a lot of good interior offensive linemen, but that's not our need, and that's not a it's not a position that we're going to go after. Um, maybe maybe Gruden trades for someone though. Ooh. Maybe I don't know. Maybe I, I don't I don't have like a guy in mind, but it could happen. You no, know, maybe they pursue that. You know, so it could definitely I don't know, happen. But it's a position that needs to be solidified. That's all I know. It could definitely happen. So since we're talking about solidifying in the draft, last year, I'd say last year's draft class on offensive line was heavy on guards. This year's draft, I feel like, is semi-heavy on tackles. Um, when we're talking draft prospects, that can that can jump into the the starting role immediately. Of course, you know, you're, of course, talking first-round selections. And the first guy that's going to pop up on your list is going to be Jonah Williams. He played left tackle at Alabama, and for the most part, all year, he was very solid. He was pretty much considered the prototype offensive tackle on college football teams. Pretty much the most NFL-ready guy, according to scouts. But, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's just me knowing that we're not going to pick him at four, or we're not going to pick him at all. And we're going to end up with another guy. But I look at Jonah Williams, and I feel like he's maybe just a hair overrated. Ah, I, hate, I hate to say it. I mean, he, he's the highest prospect in the draft. But you see him getting destroyed in the championship game by Clellan Farrell. You know what I mean? Yeah. You see that things like Farrell that. Guy, Farrell's pretty good, though. You know, He so. is. <laughs> he is. Let's, let's give the guy a break. I mean, you know, obviously uh, I don't want the Raiders to take him at four. If they traded back – 
maybe, uh, you know, he would, he would come up as an option. Um, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to like weigh too heavily on one game. Obviously it was a huge game though. And, and Farrell definitely won that matchup. Um, but, uh, you'd hope that, you know, if they decided to, you know, take him in the first round, let's say they traded back to 10 or 11 and he was there, you just have to hope that they would base, you know, the, the, the tape on him off of more than just one game. Um, the dude has talent, but I respect your opinion on overrated. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, so I've seen some drafts, some mock drafts had him going like number one, to Arizona. Oh, they need a left tackle. I don't know about all that. <laughs> no, it's uh, crazy, so, man. So I, can I understand mean, what you're saying. I, I, I feel you. I mean, I hate to, I, like I said, I hate to say overrated, but I will go the opposite direction with Jonah. And I will tell you, he came in his whole college career. He's been highly decorated for the most part. Do you remember uh, Cam Robinson? He was drafted, I believe, like right at the beginning of the second round by the Jacksonville Jaguars. Whenever he was drafted, that was like his junior year. Well, that year, Jonah Williams was a true freshman, and he outgraded Cam Robinson his freshman year. As a, as a true freshman, I mean, that's a big deal. And so to start your college career at that point and finish it right here, being the top left tackle in the draft, there's no doubt. I mean, like I said, I hate to call him overrated, and there should be no doubt that he is the most qualified, immediate NFL starting left tackle in the league but I feel, like there's, I feel like there's some better options out there, man. What do you hey, think, I, Chris? You know, Raider fans are probably going to freak out, but I've been talking about, you know, on Twitter, and I'll mention it now, that the idea that the Raiders will take another offensive tackle in the first round should not shock people. Mm-mm. And, you know, a guy in the late first round that I really like, that I think could be a plug-and-play right tackle, that, uh, you know, would, to me, already be surpassed Brandon Parker, is Cody Ford out of Oklahoma. Oh, I love that guy's um, name. Six four, three thirty, big dude. To me, he was all, right now. He's a more, in my mind, complete prospect than Colton Miller was coming into the draft. That's Great. that's how much I like Cody Ford. I'm higher on him than I was on Miller last year, and I think that you know if he's there at twenty four, twenty seven, you have to consider taking him. Um, you know, I think the gap between him and Jonah Williams is closer than people think. I understand that you know left tackle, right tackle, different position really, but. You know, Cody Ford has been playing right tackle. The Raiders have a need there. Obviously, you never want to take need over, you know, uh, value. But I feel like the value and the need is there. Yeah, so yeah. when the, both of those things match up, to me, late in the first round, if he's there, he's got to be considered. And then another thing, you know, when you look at it, he has some versatility. There's some people that think he's can play guard at a high level, uh, you know, as a prospect. So, you know, obviously the tackle is the more, you know, highly coveted position. But to have the ability to play both is another benefit to having Cody Ford. So it's it's a win-win for me. Yeah, no, I'm glad you brought that up because I'm one of those people that also thinks that he has the ability to move inside, play guard. But for the Raiders, the guy's a right tackle, 100% all day long. Um, so if we're not going after a guy like Cody Ford, which I'm also very high on, Dalton Reisner is probably uh, neck and neck in my opinion. Not only, of course, he had a big senior bowl showing, uh, which I'm a little disappointed. I was hoping uh, I've been high on this guy the last few days. I've been talking to you about him a little bit. And then, of course, he goes out there today and just goes absolutely nuts at the senior bowl. And it kind of makes me – I feel like I'm kind of putting that list of uh, I'm just going to buy into the hype. I'm just going to roll on the hype train and uh, be part of the short-term memory NFL analyst type guy. But it's cool, man. I mean, Dalton Reisner coming out of Kansas State, He's not necessarily uh, as big of a uh, as a tackle as we want to be, but he, I mean he's six five, he's three hundred eight pounds, still absolutely massive. 
Um, he allowed four pressures and zero sacks his entire last season there. Um, he, he received a run blocking grade of 79.2 and a pass blocking grade of 93.2, uh, wow. which resulted in an overall grade of 89.9. I mean, of course, it's college compared to our NFL grades. But at the same time, I mean, he's right there. I think he was the number two overall ranked uh, offensive line player coming into this draft. And I would say um, what got me the highest on him, I saw an interview. And they pretty much broke down. They asked him a couple of questions. And they, they, I mean, everyone knows he's very versatile, just like Cody Ford. I mean, they're built pretty much the same. Big guys, maybe a hair shorter than what they'd want to tackle. But they can move around the offensive line. But they asked him, where are you most comfortable playing? Straight up told him, right tackle. I'm like, hey, ding, ding, ding. That's who we need. We need a right tackle, Dalton Reisner. Like, fall to us. Fall to us right there at 24-27. And he's one of those guys that he's not necessarily the smoothest. Um, but he goes on the field with this mauling mentality. Always looks to just finish his opponents. He said that in the interview. That's what he wants to do, man. He wants to go out and he wants to finish his opponents. And he might not be the most fluid looking, but over the years, I mean, he gets the job done. And that's all that matters. Whenever you go to NFL level, they coach you up. They give you the mechanics. Uh, they let you, you know, fix yourself up a little bit. Those little things that you've maybe been... Uh, that have been haunting you, the footwork, maybe your first or maybe your second and third step haven't quite been where they're supposed to be, but he's been an absolute anchor for them. And that's really all that matters. And I mean, this is the second time we've seen, I mean, if you're on Twitter, if you're on Facebook, if you're on Instagram and you see guys hyping up mid first round pass rush level guys, Montez Sweat was one of those guys. The senior bowl was the second time that he's shut him down this season. Impressive. And at Kansas State, he ran mostly like an inside inside zone scheme um, with some gap and power principles. His only red flag, like I said, uh, is maybe he had one bad season. He had shoulder surgery in 2017, and he's going to be a 24-year-old rookie, which is uh, maybe why his draft stock is falling a little bit more than how his senior bowl production is uh, perceiving him to be. But I think he's I think he's there, man. If if he's there at twenty seven, or if he's there, what's our next pick? Uh, thirty five. Thirty five. Yeah, we have four picks in the top thirty five. So. Dude, if he's there at thirty five, man, Dalton Reisner would be an immediate replacement at right tackle. Quote me on it. I'm telling you, that's the dude. Love him. No, I like Reisner. There was some snaps today where I just found myself just watching him the whole time. There was a run play where, you know, he pushed the dude back like ten, twelve yards. It was impressive. I think he. He did give up like one QB hit um, where the quarterback got hit while he was throwing that I saw as far as pass blocking. But other than that, I thought he looked mean. And, uh, you know, I, I think he's he's a presence out there. So I understand um, Would I go first round with him, you know, personally, from what I've seen, maybe I consider if he slipped to 35, he'd be a really nice value oh, pick yeah. there. Um, I'm not sure exactly how. You know, he's being mocked around, you know, the NFL right now on the mock draft Twitter world. But, uh, you know, obviously we saw the combine and a lot of things oh, yeah. will change. But right now I see him, you know, day two pick or early day two would be good value. Oh, yeah, I completely agree. Reisner's a guy that, hey, if we reach the 27, I ain't going to fight him for it. But he is a second round steal, in my opinion, and we can't go wrong there. But since we've been talking so much about the senior bowl, Chris, I think it's time to bring in our guest. Eddie Bersili, he's been uh, traveling around Mobile, Alabama, 
and uh, I think he has a little bit of an inside scoop for us. So uh, let's see if we can get him on the phone, Chris. What do you think? Dude, I'm so excited to have Eddie on. Uh, he's like, he's a Raiders Twitter MVP, man. I love his uh, his fandom that comes out, his love for the organization. And obviously, you know, he's a knowledgeable guy. He knows football, a lot of respect. Um, you know, he works for Sirius. So to have him on our show is, is awesome, man. I'm excited about this. Cool. Let's see if we can get a hold of him. All right, guys, so we have Eddie Borsili on the phone. He's the executive producer for SiriusXM NFL Radio. Uh, he's been he's had a busy week. He's uh, just getting out of Mobile, Alabama. Eddie, how are you doing? Guys, it's a pleasure to be on with you. Yeah, it's been a, a crazy week and a half. I was in New Orleans for the uh, NFC Championship game between the Rams and the Saints. The, the Rams and the Saints, obviously the crazy ending there, So, and then right to Mobile for the Senior Bowl. But it's been good in Atlanta now for the big game. Should be a fun week here. There you go. And I've noticed over the years, the Senior Bowl is getting bigger and bigger. And uh, what is it about the Senior Bowl that makes it such a big week for NFL media? You know, I just think that, uh, first of all, it goes back to the former executive, Phil Savage, that did a really good job of inviting a lot of the media to the event. Um, I think it's always been a place for the coaches and the GMs and the front office executives to go and, and get a look at the players. But it's really become media friendly over the year. They've done a good job of evaluating talent and getting a lot of talent down to the game. And it's really the last chance a lot of these teams get to see these guys in pads. So I think they understand the value of the game. And I just think it's a really friendly environment. Mobile, Alabama is a terrific uh, setting for the game. It's really low key. It's, it's down in the South. There's a lot of good food. Um, so I, I just think it's a really good time for every, everybody in the NFL, besides the two teams not playing in the big game, to go down to Mobile, Alabama, see these kids in pads, um, and, and get a better look before they go to the combine and all these things. So I just think it's a really good environment for, for everybody involved. Hey, Eddie, uh, speaking of, you know, the uh, coaching staff and personnel, and obviously the Raiders were well represented this week as they coached one of the squads and they were on the winning side, obviously. Um, but mm -hmm. in terms of the personnel department, do you think John Gruden, with the hiring of Mike Mayock, is finally getting his personnel department exactly where he wants to be. Where do you think that's at right now? You know, I, I do. I do. I, I think that's a part of it, to, 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 to be honest. Um, at first, when I, the Mayock, I heard rumblings about the Mayock stuff coming out of left field, but you don't really put too much credence into it because you, you kind of hear things through the grapevine. But when it came to fruition, my first instinct was to think that, you know what, I like Mike. He's a great evaluator of, of draft talent, but I just thought he might be more of a mouthpiece for the organization that, you know, let's be honest, guys, it hasn't been a good year for the Raiders PR-wise. Anything they've done, it really hasn't been great. So I thought Mayock was a guy that they could try out there to the press and kind of spit the Raider, you know, Bible, if you will, of what they're trying to do. But as the process is kind of going along, and we got a chance to interview Mayock this week on Sirius XM NFL Radio, Mayock's going to have a big hand in this. Now, everybody knows that John has the final say. Look, this is John's team. He's got a 10-year contract. He's not going anywhere. I just think that Mike is going to have a, a more of an influence on this team, especially, let's be honest, guys, this is the most important offseason this team has had in at least 20 years. Three first-round right. picks, cap space, all this kind of stuff. And I think the voice of Mayock, whether he has the final say or not, him being in the building and challenging John. John needed somebody to be in the building that's going to say, hey, John, this isn't a good idea. Hey, John, this is, this is a good idea. This is a bad idea. He needs someone to be in that room to tell him when things aren't big. Because John, as we all know, is a very passionate guy. He's a very emotional guy. 
And I think, you know, you know we don't want to look back on the Cleo Mack trade. I think the Cleo Mack trade, if anything else, was an emotional reaction to the situation that was going on. So whether Mike has final say or not, I think that he's going to have more of an influence over John in the long run, especially when it comes to the draft in 2019. Yeah, I agree. And it was cool to see just that whole staff on the sideline just really going kind of overboard. You can tell, like you said, they have a passion for football, and they proved it just by taking this, you know, team of seniors coming out into the NFL draft and really just pumping them up. I noticed, you know, the Raiders stickers, of course. You've seen guys doing interviews in Raiders gear after the game. Now, off of that, was there any interesting, like, Raiders buzz in Mobile that you're allowed to talk about with us? Yeah, I think there's some buzz, guys. You know, and to go back to your point, you know, we flew from uh, from Pensacola this morning to Atlanta. There was guys that were on our flight coming to Atlanta that still had Raider gear on. There was an offensive lineman from uh, from Boston College with still Raider gear on. There was guys walking around the airport with Raider gear. You know, Jim Miller and myself were on the sideline yesterday, and we were on the Raider sideline most of the day. And, you know, again, they were winning. So, again, they're going to be a little more pumped up. And the Raiders stickers really, really got the players used up. We interviewed about four or five players that really embraced it. I mean, Andy Isabella basically had five or six Raiders stickers planted <laughs> all over his helmet. The coaches, every time they made a big play, they were going crazy. These guys were all fired up. But I think, that, again, to your point, the coaches really, really embraced it. You know, there's some buzz, guys. I mean, the biggest thing from my point of view is I think the situation where they're going to play next year I think it's really starting to lean that they're going to stay in the Bay Area. They're going to probably play games at, at AT&T Park in San Francisco. Um, you know, I thought going into this process that it was going to be Oakland all along. I thought they were going to play one more year in Oakland, you know, get it situated. I know it was a, a contentious situation, but I thought they would get it figured out. But to me, I, I think they're going to try to play games at AT&T Park. It's going to be seven regular season games. They have the one over in London, and it's still going to be – um, you know, you have to be decided what they do in the preseason. So that's one of the things that came out. And two is, you know, I, I know Raider fans aren't going to want to hear this. I, you know, I think for the year coming up, I don't think they're going to be big spenders when it comes to free agency. I just don't think that the capital is there. They have a lot of cap space, yes, on paper. But I don't think until they get to Vegas and they get to the new stadium and they get a little more liquid, I just don't think, you know, when I say not big spenders, you know, I don't think they're going to go out in the market for the Le'Veon Bells. I don't think they're going to go out in the market for the big ticket free agents um, that everybody kind of desires. But that doesn't mean that they can't get good players when it comes to free agency and stuff like that. So those those are kind of some of the rumblings. Um, I know the quarterback stuff with Gruden. Everybody wants to say, you know, his love for Kyle Murray. Um, I, I just don't see it, guys. Maybe they take the quarterback in the middle rounds to, to develop because A.J. McCarron's a free agent and stuff like that. I just don't think the quarterback buzz. I know everybody always wants quarterbacks to John Gruden like he's some type of, you know, guy's going to take a quarterback every year. John Gruden's not in the business of trying to take a, a rookie quarterback and mold him. John Gruden knows Derek Carr can get it done. You know, it's all about Vegas in 2020. I think he's going to be a starter for the foreseeable future. Eddie, I was going to ask you, you kind of alluded to that uh, regarding free agency and, you know, um, they might be waiting till Vegas uh, to be aggressive. But do you think there's, uh, a free agent out there um, that they see, you know, as, as a part of their future. I know, you know, obviously edge rusher is such a huge issue for the team, but do you think, you know, even though maybe not the big ticket items, do you think if DeMarcus Lawrence became available that they would at least maybe just, you know, dip themselves in the conversation a little bit and consider it, or they, is that just completely off the table? That's too big ticket right now. I don't think it's, I don't think, uh, to be honest, I think the, the, the answer is twofold. I don't think that, 
they would, A, be in the market for that type of contract. Look, if they were in that type of market for that contract, they probably would have kept Khalil Mack. Again, I, I, I reference this as an emotional decision. But, you know, if you're going to pay Demarcus Lawrence or Frank Clark or these guys $22 million a year, you probably should just club Khalil Mack in the first place. Number two is I just think that the breadth of talent in this year's draft really, I mean, guys, they can come away in this year's draft with two edge rushers and have them under control for five years where they don't have to pay the, the you know, the, the, the edge rushers. Uh, again, the Marcus Lawrence, Frank Clark, those guys are really good players and they'd be happy to have them. But I just don't think you need to pay those guys when this team is in a position with three first round picks um, to, to make the kind of splash and create it. The one guy that I really, really think that is a, a, a good fit, it's going to be a little expensive. And I know he's on the other side of 30. Is a guy, Earl Thomas. I think Earl Thomas is a guy that makes a lot of sense for this team. A, we, we know the, you know the issues they've had at safety in the back end. Earl can come in. He's the defensive leader from day one. He plays center field. Back, you know, you know, it's a guy that makes sense on a lot of levels. Gruden would like him. He's immediately the defensive leader. Yeah, you're going to have to pay a little bit for him. But I think a guy like Earl Thomas, that's not going to be the edge rusher kind of contract, you can get him in for a four-year deal and pay him a little bit of money. I think that's a, a big ticket kind of free agent the Raiders can kind of go after and target. I mean, some of the other guys, <clears throat> maybe a running back. I don't know. This is the biggest mystery to me, guys. I don't know where John Gruden's head is with running backs. You have Jalen Richard, Chris Warren's the ultimate, you know, kind of, you know what. I just don't know. You have guys like Mark Ingram, like Kevin Coleman. Will Gruden pay for these guys to come in and kind of be a bell cow guy? I don't know. So I think the running back market for free agents kind of thing. And if I'm a guy, if I'm, if I'm the Raiders, Earl Thomas is a guy that I target. And it's two guys that I really love free agent wise. I love Brandon Graham from the Eagles. You know, he's going to, he's going to be a guy that will get you seven to 10 sacks a year. He's won a super bowl. He's a leader, that kind of guy. He's not Demarcus Lawrence. He's not Frank Clark. He's still a solid player. And the other guy is the Darius Smith from the Ravens. This guy has, when he came out of college, he had freak speed and now he's, he's probably better off in a three, four, um, rushing the passer. But I think you could put his hand on the ground and, and be a four, three end. He wouldn't be overly expensive. And he's a guy you can build around on that defense. Eddie, I wanted to ask you, uh, there's, there's been a lot of talk, obviously in the news about Antonio Brown selfishly, you know, I don't know if it's feasible or in the picture, but I would love, you know, Antonio Brown to be a Raider, but do you see him? Um, where do you see him landing essentially? Have you heard anything or do you just have a certain team you think it would be the best fit for him that would be willing to, to make the trade, whatever that would be first round pick on paper guys. I think that the Raiders make the most sense because, you know, I, I'd give up the two picks and one of the picks in the twenties for Antonio Brown tomorrow. But here's the problem. Antonio Brown is probably a top three player in the league, not just receiver. But he's obviously had concerns in Pittsburgh. He's always had some off the field, missing meetings and all that stuff. He's a true superstar player. And he's got time left on his contract. So you gotta you gotta ask yourself this. Is your locker room stable enough to have an Antonio Brown come in from the outside? Do you have those veteran leaders on the team that could tell Antonio Brown and put him in his place when he needs to be put in his place? I don't know if that's the case right now with the Raiders. As much as I would love the talent and you immediately put in Antonio Brown on the Raider roster. I mean, you guys know this. I mean, it's, it's, it's night and day. I mean, he's, he's immediately targeting number one. But, you know, do we have the veteran leaders on this team? Let's be honest, guys. You know, this team had locker room issues a couple of years back with the whole Redskin debacle. I was at that game in Washington. 
uh, when it was a total nightmare and the team was 2-0 and they kind of laid out, this team has had some locker room issues. So Antonio Brown, you're going to put him into a locker room with a lot of young players. If you, Even if you give up one of those first-round picks, you're still going to have two first-round picks. You have a bunch of draft picks. Is that the right marriage at the time? The, the talent is undeniable. But is that, the right, is that the right fit for John Gruden? It would be a big splash for Vegas. Talent-wise, i trade, again, like I just said, i trade one of those picks in the 20s. I just don't know if they have the guys in the locker room to handle Antonio Brown and the type of stuff he brings. No, Eddie, that's great. I'm glad you brought that up because both of us have been on the Antonio Brown hype train, whether it happens or not. Uh, but all I know is from a fan's perspective, uh, we could use a few more jerseys hanging up in there uh, at the Raider image. I do. I agree with that. I just think that, some, that you know this draft is 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 talented wide receiver now. You have some guys, and even some guys at the Senior Bowl that kind of shown out a little bit that you can get these receivers, and you don't need that type of again. Nobody's nobody's up there with Antonio Brown. I'm not saying any of these guys coming out in this draft are Antonio Brown, but if you can get a Debo Samuel at that pick, you get a Kenyon Harry at that pick. You know these guys are, are younger players that you can kind of mold to what you kind of want. So I don't know. Yes, it's on the surface. It looks great. I would love to have Antonio Brown in silver and black. He would look great in '84. Jerry Porter's old number, but I just don't. <laughs> you know, in this in this draft, guys. You know, it's front seven. It's edge. It's a defensive draft. It's not a great running back draft. It's not a great tight end draft. It's a really good wide receiver draft. There's some talented players here, and the Raiders have the collateral to make these kind of picks. So I just don't know. As much as I want to see him in a uniform, I just don't know if it makes sense at this time. Excellent point. I totally agree. And I wanted to ask you, I see that you're a New Yorker, Staten Island, I believe. Correct. We were plugged through Raiders Beat, and I was given specific instructions to ask you, what's it like being a Raiders fan and a Mets fan? <laughs> it's not easy, guys. I tell, I tell the story all the time. I've been at SiriusXM close to 13 years. I've had one winning season in 13 years at SiriusXM. I'm known, you know, obviously a couple years ago at 12-4. and four. I am known more for bad draft picks and losing seasons and debauchery more than I am for winning. So it's not easy. And the same could be said for Mets fan. We had a couple, you know, we went to the World Series a couple years ago, and it's just, it has not been easy. I am, I'll say this, I'm a Pittsburgh Penguin fan, so I at least have a couple Stanley Cups I could hang my hat on. There you go, uh, there you go. Other than that, uh, other than that my, uh, my sports teams have not really done me justice over the past couple of years. But you know what, that's, what's been, that's what being a fan is all about. you got to move forward and make the best of the situations, you know? Yeah. You know, Eddie, you're totally right. Um, you know, I have some other sports teams that aren't too successful either, but nothing, uh, nothing quite like the Raiders, but you know, I wanted to ask you, um, you know, the, obviously the best, the best year of Derek Carr's career was 2016. It was, you know, the only time that he had had an offensive coordinator for back-to-back seasons in Bill Musgrave, obviously, you know, Musgrave uh, was let go. And, and now this is finally, uh, Carr's second opportunity to ha- be in the same system with the same offensive coach, for a second straight year. What do you think um, of Derek Carr right now, his game, and then the potential he has in another year uh, in the John Gruden offense? That's what I mean, guys. I mean, John Gruden, and I say this to people all the time, Gruden came back. Yes, he's making a lot of money. Yes, I get it. It's a 10-year contract. There's a lot of stability. He came back, whether it's 20%, 30%, 50%, he came back to coach Derek Carr. He could have came back and coached Jameis Winston. He could have came back and coached a lot of teams. Under he came back for this situation because he knew Derek Carr had the tools to be successful. Carr in 16, it, it, it literally was lightning in the bottle. You had everything you possibly – guys, you know this. The offensive line that year, 
Derek barely got touched. He really got, he barely got touched. He was able to operate. Now you can say that a lot of quarterbacks without pressure that operate and thing, but I, I don't think, I, I don't think that's the truth. A lot of quarterbacks doesn't, don't have the, the, the wherewithal to make the split second decisions. Derek could obviously make all the throws in the NFL. He possibly can. I mean, last year was tough guys, two rookie tackles, no playmakers on offense. It's a team in transition. I just think and Jim Miller, who I work with, he's one of my closest friends. We work every day together played on the John Gruden in Tampa for a bit. He said to me, the Raider offense won't take off until about week 10 or 11. You know, it's going to take some time for John and Derek to be on the same page. It's a very verbose offense. There's a lot to deal with. It's going to take some time. And what happened? The offense got better as the season went on. Sure I just did. think with better, better play on the offensive line. Now, I don't know if, if, if Colton and Brandon Parker are the answers. I'm a big proponent of a maybe a Donald Penn coming back and sliding to the right tackle, or then bringing a veteran left tackle in and moving Colton back to the right side. I don't know what the answer is there. I think that's still up in the air. But bringing guys in that could protect Eric and give him a, a you know a better chance to make plays, better playmakers. Derek Carr and, and Mayock said it this week, guys. Derek Carr is the least of the Raiders' problems. Quarterback is not an issue. Quarterback for us for a long time has been one of those positions where you're like, oh, my God, who's going to be on the center? Should we draft one? Should we this? Yeah, maybe we should draft the guy in, in, in the fourth or fifth round to, to get some stability. Maybe he could be the backup and groom this. But Derek Carr is the least of the Raiders' worries. So I have no doubt in my mind that Derek could be the guy moving forward for this football team. And he could win with this football team. He's won with this football team. It's been a rough stretch. The best thing that Bill Musgrave did for Derek, Bill Musgrave challenged Derek. Bill Musgrave wasn't tied down. He wasn't one of those guys that would baby him. Bill Musgrave challenged him and made Derek Carr a better player. John Gruden, no doubt, has made Derek Carr a better player in year one. I have no doubt he'll make Derek Carr a better player in year two and beyond. Preach it, preach it, preach it, Eddie. Thank you so much for coming on for this phone call. You have a great mix of knowledge and passion, and I love that a lot of our opinions align with each other well. And uh, the only thing I can do from here on is just wish you the best, and hopefully the Raiders can uh, bring you another winning season because I wouldn't put any money that the Mets are going to do it. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not either. Guys. You're gonna do them like that, yeah. huh? <laughs> oh, my bad, listen, my bad. listen, I if 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 I work for MLB Network Radio or the MLB Channel, it'll be a lot easier to take the Raiders' news. But I work for the NFL, 24 hours, seven days a week. So all you hear is about the Raiders. So if they can do me a solid, I mean, I've been to, I've been to, you know, nine championship games in my life. I've been to six at Foxborough. I would like to go to one in Vegas once in a while. So hopefully they can get on the winning track here. Let's hope. Let's hope. Good stuff. Thanks for bringing the heat, man. And I'm sure we'll talk soon. See ya. Absolutely. I had a a blast, guys. Thanks a lot. Take care. Dang, Chris. That was a pretty dang good phone call with Eddie. What'd you think? It was awesome, man. Eddie's so knowledgeable, good personality, huge Raiders fan. So the perfect trifecta for us, man. Yeah, and he's a good follow on Twitter. If you like his stuff, uh, stuff on Twitter is even better. And a special shout-out, thank you to Raiders Beat for getting us connected and allowing us to have Eddie Bersili on the phone here. All right, Chris, let's take a minute to show some love to the supporters that help make this show happen. Raider Nation, make sure you check out Dan from DC4L Custom Tees. Dan's been with us since day one. He carries all the Raider Cody podcast gear, and not just our gear, he has his own line of custom Raider shirts. There's a hot topic going down in Raiders' world. 
Guarantee you he's got a shirt that's dropping soon and it's perfectly fitting. My personal favorite is the felonious fan shirt. It perfectly represents our fan base and as Raiders fans, it's time we just rep it proud, man. Next, make sure you check out rnforlifer.com. That's Raider Nation for Lifer. He has a lot of custom little accessories that you normally wouldn't think about, so you have to visit his website. But he has custom pins, custom patches. I've seen custom shoes. And my favorite is he has a full-blown custom Raider Nation flag, and it's the real deal. It's not your typical Amazon flag. This thing is full-stitched, full-embroidered, and it's the real deal. Uh, That's a guy you definitely got to check out. You can find him on Instagram and Facebook, but go to his website. That's rn4lifer.com. And our newest supporter. Make sure you check out Made by Tony Perez. You can find him only on Instagram at Made by Tony Perez. He does custom metal artwork. The real deal, CNC, plasma cut, aluminum signs. I mean, he does signs. I've seen trailer hitches. And even all the way up to custom barbecues. This dude's the real deal. I mean, he powder coats, paints it. He vinyl wraps it. I haven't seen any custom Raiders artwork that really compares to Tony Perez's. And if you feel like finding out more, feel free to call him. That's 209-756-1830. Tony's a good guy, and he does great work. So make sure you check it out. But if you have any questions on where to find these guys, they're all on my website. Go to RaiderCody.com, and I have links to each one of their pages. Now let's quit messing around, and let's get back to the show. All right, Chris. Let's just go ahead and uh, since we have a lot of we had a lot of content, we had a good interview with Eddie. Let's go ahead and jump into our next segment, and that's taking these fan phone calls. You ready? Let's go. What's up, Raider Cody? It's Stony. I'm calling to uh, officially apologize to you and Chris, Kenny King Jr. You and Chris, I'm sorry for blowing up your uh, phones, making them shits explode. Kenny King, I'm sorry, I couldn't fit your uh, at on the tweet. There just wasn't enough room. There was barely enough room. The way it was, it was literally right at zero when I finished. Uh, I did not expect Derek Carr to be the first response. That was a beautiful thing, though. That made my millennium. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, I just wanted to apologize to you guys. Uh, Hopefully that going viral got your name out there even more love the show man keep your shit up peace yes Tony alright dude I gotta do not apologize for that although you are responsible for giving ESPN first take a you know as Vic Tafer said a a steak to feast on all week right Uh, don't apologize because what you were saying was true man he was uh, his character was being called out you stood up for him you tagged Eric, and, uh, you know, hey, man, he, he responded honestly, so never apologize. You were speaking truth and defend, defending our quarterback, defending one of our players. I respect it, man. Well done. Dude, but that's nuts, Stony, bro. You yeah. had Derek dropped the first bomb into a mention on your thread. I mean, uh, dude, that's legitness. I don't know. I feel like at that point I just – I'd retire my Twitter account. My last tweet would be that tweet that that thread got – blown up that's might it. as well and you know what dude if a ufc fight does happen you should call dana white and get a cut of dude that, absolutely of that take home man i mean 
Wow. That's, that's what a, cool. what a, what a thing that started, dude. All from just, a, <laughs> that's crazy, man. Just for telling us about it. Just for trying to get us hyped man. up on it. Oh man. You made your millennium. You made my millennium. <laughs> well oh, absolutely destroyed my phone. I'm telling you like that sucker was like, yeah, it, it was heating I, up. I, I had to mute it. I had oh, to me mute too. that. I mean, it was just like, I'd clear the notifications put my phone down, check two minutes later, and there'd be like 34 <laughs> notifications. I'm like, dude, this is getting crazy. So I just muted the conversation. But, uh, man, that was crazy. So, yeah. So we we semi-accept your apology, Stoney. Let's, uh, let's take this next phone call. Hey, Raider Cody, Chris, it's Raider Roo. Raider Roo. Offensive line, I don't think you can start on the offensive line without bringing up Tom Cable. Ugh. Even though I expected it to happen, I am still disappointed that we are retaining Tom Cable as the offensive line coach. To me, having Tom Cable as your own line coach is the same thing as begging to be struggle with pass protection. Yeah. So I would love to have moved on from him, but obviously that's not going to happen. Um, so let me get into the good. The good is Rodney Hudson. That guy is a stud. Just in the middle. He's good in any scheme. Even Tom Cable can't mess him up, so that's good. The guy's just an all-pro, you know, uh, pro bowl piss. Shouldn't have been there, but whatever. At least we know how good he is. Yeah. And the inside, I, next to him, I think Gabe Jackson's solid, mm-hmm. and I think he'll be around. I like Coletio Simile, but I do think there's a good chance we move on from him because I feel like take his mm-hmm. salary combined with him not really being a great mm-hmm. fit for the system, mm-hmm. and we can move on from him. If we were sticking with the power scheme and doing what he does best, then he would be great. But continuing with Cable and that scheme he's going to run, they already made him lose a bunch of weight last year, and he's just not a great fit for that. I think you could take, since he doesn't fit, take his money and get a starter and backups in theory. Uh, obviously, the tackles were both rookies. There's some struggles there. Colton Miller was solid until he got just kept getting those knee injuries, so to see improvement from him and from Parker as they both go into year two in a NFL strength con- conditioning programs and another year with Parker being over on the right side, having played left tackle in college. Uh, as far as replacing Osimile, if that does happen, I wouldn't mind keeping uh, our backup, the pair guy. Oh, man, I'm running Feliciano. <laughs> he thought he was solid in there when he started and yeah. he did okay before getting hurt. Also, shout out to Feliciano and uh, Gabe Jackson for playing through those injuries in that game against Pittsburgh. Some tough guys right there. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't be upset if we used one of those first-round picks on another offensive lineman. I don't think we will because I do think they believe in both Parker and Miller. Ooh. But possibly later in the first round, a Dalton Reisner or a Cody Ford who Ooh. can play right yeah. tackle, maybe even be an improvement, but also they project to being good inside guys. Would Ooh. be a possible route. I don't think we end up doing that just because I think they believe in those guys and they're going to go. Okay. And maybe we'll see a later round draft pick for inside depth. Uh, possibly Denzel okay. Good looks solid for us. Maybe he could be retained for depth. Yeah. I haven't really looked at the free agents, so that's my thoughts. I do expect the offensive line to be improved, although not as improved as it could be if we would remove Tom Cable as the online line coach. Mm. Anyways, thanks, guys. Have a good one. Mm. Go Raiders. <laughs> good take, Raider Rue. I like that stuff right there, and uh, I like your point. Uh, personnel, I don't feel is as a big of an issue as maybe our offensive line coach himself. But like you said, sounds like he's sticking around, so it's a guy we might have to stick with 
Chris, what do you think? Well, I mean, dating back to Seattle, you know, there was some struggle in the years for Tom Cable, and obviously last year was a uh, was you know not not the year we wanted out of our offensive line. But uh, hopefully, moving forward, you know, another year in the scheme, you know, kind of molding well in the offense with. Uh, with Gruden and the development of the tackles and hopefully we stay healthy on the interior. Hopefully it's a better year next year. Yeah, absolutely. So let's, uh, let's take this last call. Raider Cody, it's Savage Raider. So I'm going to work a pronunciation this time. I'm going to say a lot less players' names so I don't embarrass myself and get you all upset again. <laughs> um, and hopefully I don't jinx Derek because I do want to talk briefly about the first take issue, which I'm sure you're going to cover yeah. anyways. Oh, yeah. Uh, but for our offensive line, I truly haven't been looking at too many players in the draft because – to be honest, it's pretty much the most less sexy position there is. Uh, you don't see anybody buying, you know, a, a Donald Penn jersey. Actually, I have seen a few, but besides that, I don't think I've, I've seen any Colton Miller jerseys yet. I don't really intend to. Colton Miller, I think I said that right. <laughs> um, he was up and down. I truly was disappointed that we drafted uh, an offensive tackle right when we uh, had our first pick last year. I was kind of hoping for... Safety, a corner, defensively still, but something a little more interesting. Obviously, we needed him. Uh, we didn't really meet the expectations I had for him, so hopefully we find somebody that can fill that gap. Uh, Brandon Parker, same thing. Uh, I don't really have a lot of confidence in those two. Splash is a greatness, but still not, not guaranteed starters in my mind. Um, and then with the whole first take issue, I talked about it briefly on Twitter, but I've always liked Derek for being one of the more quieter quarterbacks. You see him get really loud and excited in the huddle where it belongs. I'm glad he called him out, but I, he's been a lot more active on Twitter the last couple of days. I think it's great. He's interacting with fans. Um, kind of makes them feel good when the quarterback you idolize is talking to you. But calling these guys clowns, which they are, uh, even though I'm a fan of the show, they are clowns. They, they do make a lot of assumptions that aren't correct. Uh, but then challenging them to the octagon is just kind of ridiculous. So I hope he got out of the system. I like that he's got he's got guts, but we always knew he did. So I hope he just does his uh, talking on the field and not on Twitter like Antonio Brown and a couple other people that I would refer to as clowns. All right. Good luck. <laughs> Savage Raider. Man, uh, even after last week, I even got, I, I got double corrected because I was going so hardcore in on the spelling of Nikhil Harry. I started saying in kill Harry, so Nikhil Harry. And uh it's alright. So of course we were both victims of the pronunciation that week. I got plenty to say, but I'll uh, I'll talk to the king about that in real talk. <laughs> but yeah, good talk, Savage Raider. And you pronounced all the names correctly. So good job. Good phone call. And uh like I said, Chris, let's uh let's not waste any time. You ready to uh you ready to get a hold of the king? Let's let's get let's get the king on the phone, man. Let's buzz him. <laughs> let's get him going. going on y'all how y'all doing tonight man what up kenny dude what's going on feeling good bro man i'm so happy to be here right now i'll tell you that right now it's good to talk to you guys it's it's, uh it's been a while dude and it's been an exciting week on the twitter streets uh first off we got some excitement going on at the beginning of the week uh we heard from john Gruden himself we might be evaluating a possible possible marshawn lynch return what do you think about that, dude? Man, I'm all about that action, boss. I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. Um, 
it really is, it, it would be a good thing if Marshawn came back. You know, I think that Marshawn brings a lot of fire to the team. Um, him and DC have really good chemistry. Him and Gruden have great chemistry. But at the same time, like, you know, if if, if things are going to go the way that I think they're going to go, and, and we talked about this yesterday, is, you know, I think that the Raiders might be staying in Oakland. Um, that would just be one good way to send it off with, with, with Marshawn. And, oh, yeah. You know, um, you know, just just what he brings, what he brings to the to the table uh, as far as the running back, as far as that power back that, you know, that Gruden likes um, the intensity uh, and then also that attitude. I mean, he, the, the dude is a Raider. The dude, the dude screams Oakland, looks Oakland. Uh, he's out there on the sidelines going dumb. And you know, lighting blunts, lighting blunts off the Al Davis torch, like that. He is, he is a Raider through and through. Like, I mean, if anybody is a Raider, he's he's a Raider for sure. So I'm I'm all for it. If Marshawn comes back, I will be the first one to rock that 24 jersey because the only other 24 jersey I have is Charles Woodson. So yeah, yeah, I'm telling you. But I gotta know, there's gotta be some eyebrows raised. Like, say he does make his return. How does the NFL not bring up him trying to light that blunt off the Al Davis torch? Hey, hey, hey! You don't, you don't know what was in that. There's no I mean, proof. That's the thing. There's no proof, right? Is there? No proof. Is there any rule in the NFL rule book about lighting uh, illegal substance off a eternal flame? Is there? Is there? Are you? A, are, you are you not allowed to light a substance for your friends too? No one had uh, saw him smoking it, right? So. Well, I think the only thing was that he was, you know, he was not in a designated smoking area. So that you know, he may he might get slapped with a fine for that. But if 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 Roger Goodell really wants to come down on that, then you know he might want to go after Kareem Hunt a little bit harder for for kicking that for <laughs> that girl called, hotel. Is this going to be called Blunt Gate now? Is that going to be the new thing Goodell's going Goodell's going to have to deal with? But no, man. the Patriots the Patriots are the only ones to get Gate. So it would be like Blunt Bluntastic or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh... Like I said, man, it, you know, it's been, we've talked about it. It's been a crazy, excited week on Twitter. And uh, it has. I'm heated, bro. What, uh, what's been going on, dude? What's been going on? Man, see, Cody, I, 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 I knew you were going to get me started. And I was just <laughs> finally starting to calm down. I was, mm-hmm. you know, I was thinking about it earlier. And I was like, yo, I need to lay off. But you know what? You got me started again on Stephen A. Smith, a.k.a. Grover, and Max, <laughs> a.k.a. Helen Kellerman, because those Ooh. two, right, those two clowns right there, wow. they want to go out and they want to, they want to challenge Derek Carr's character, but then they want to get mad when he comes back at him. So you know what? Nah, let's open it up. Do you want me to start or do you all want to start? Because I'm, I'm firing up right now. I've had hey, like 14 hey, you know, Keep your, keep your train going, and then we'll respond when we're done, dude. Helen right, Kellerman, we- dude, has me dying Woo! right now. <laughs> Hashtag Helen Kellerman. Let's go. Uh- <laughs> anyway. Oh. Anyways, Stephen A. Smith likes to yell, well, so do I. So let me let me break it down for you because he likes to talk facts. Well, guess what? I like to talk facts, too. But here's the thing. Stephen A. Smith has never played a down of football in his life. He played on a he was a Division two basketball player that didn't even touch the floor, looking like ludicrous with a, with a mustache. Never <laughs> scored more than 25 points in a game. I bet you LeVar could beat him one-on-one. Oh. Anyways. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Anyways, they look at the, the Bovada odds, and they say that they got Stephen A. Smith to beat him. Come on, man. The dude is what? 45, 52. He's got a hairline hairline looking like Jerry Rice back when he had cornrows. And it just come on, man. It's just, dude. Oh. And then he then he has the audacity to call it a dude that was the top of his own field. Like you're gonna call it Mike Mayock. 
Like he doesn't oh. deserve that job. Like, dude, nobody even listens Bro. to your show as it is. And you're going to try and call so, out like that. I'm so with you on that, man. Like, it's so funny that he somehow compares himself to Mike Mayock. Like, and there was a previous <laughs> show he had where he was like, you know, man, where can I get one of these jobs? It's like, dude, Mayock played in the NFL. Number exactly. one, number two, like Mayock's specialty was the NFL draft. Like, Stephen A. Smith doesn't have a specialty other than being loud, right? Max. And then, and then Max Woo! Kellerman. I'm from LA. Okay, Max Kellerman used to do ESPN LA radio, so he used to talk a lot of Lakers and he used to talk boxing. Okay, and I guess you could say ba- basketball is kind of a specialty. He was more of a boxing guy. Football is definitely not his specialty. No. There was not a day on the radio he was spending talking about football. There wasn't football in LA that was you know talked about on radio on ESPN. Not never. So, dude, the fact that these dudes are up there. Talking about football, calling out character and desire of Derek Carr, right. talking about how Mike Mayock doesn't deserve the opportunity. It's just a clown show. And it's such the it's an epitome. It just sums up what ESPN has become now. And it used to be back in the day. What are we doing before we go to bed? Man, we turn on Sports Center, yep. NFL Live, Prime Time. That was the show, man. Now yeah. ESPN is the last thing that I watch when it comes to wanting to know anything relevant about football. So it's at, you're absolutely right. You know, and I and I hate to say this, but ESPN died with Stuart Scott. You know, the, yeah. at the end of the day, when when Stu passed, that that was the end of the great the greatness on ESPN. You know, Berman is Berman is kind of faded away. Um, you know, you've got Steve Levy who who's you know does great with hockey, but realistically. ESPN is is not what it was. It's a shell of what it used to be. If I'm gonna get NFL news, I'm gonna watch NFL Network or I'm gonna I'm gonna go on Twitter because there's there's some people that know a little bit better. Um, <laughs> apparently, there's a lot of people that don't. Uh, you know, we, we got a lot of we got. I mean, let me address this real quick because we got a lot of haters on Twitter. Uh, you know, just just to talk oh, about haters. Man. I mean, I thought I thought you know Grover A. Smith and and Max Helen Kellerman were, were bad, Helen but Kellerman, man. Oh. you know, like we got some haters on yeah. Twitter. Like, hey, you know what? Just because you got a podcast doesn't mean that uh, doesn't mean that you know what you're talking about. Well, you know what? <laughs> I got more football experience in my left foot than Stephen A. Smith has in that busted ass hairline of his. So I'm just, you know, <laughs> well, we, we, if you. we, you want to get down to brass tacks, we can, you know, we can definitely do that because, you know, at the end of the day, you want to call out Mike Mayock for, you know, for getting a job because he's unqualified. I mean, come on, dude. It, if I yelled as much as Stephen A. Smith did and I had a hairline like that, I should have a, I should have held this show, right? Or I should be, you know what? They should make me GM of the Lakers because I, I once saw Magic Johnson ride down the street in his car. (laughs) That's how it works, right? Well, let me tell you something, Kenny. I'll I'll tell you something, man. Here's the thing. Here's the way I see it. Like you spoke on our Twitter haters, bro. And I'm going to give them, I'm going to give them a little peace of mind. And whenever they say, just because he got a podcast, doesn't mean you know what you're talking about. And I'll say, you know what? You're right. I don't. But because I got haters, I know I'm doing something right. And that's a fact, Jack. That's all I care about, bro. Oh, get it, get it. Hey, you know, another thing, too, you know, I'm going to take this calling out Derek Carr's character, saying Mike Mayock's not qualified. Max and Stephen A are ridiculous. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, though, I mean, if someone paid me $250,000 a year to talk hockey, I know nothing about hockey. I would gladly accept the job and I would do it, right? Yep, right. But in no way would I call out anyone's character or desire. Nope. And in no way when I call out anyone's qualification when they get a, a big-time job at, at, at a position 
uh, like GM of, of a franchise that's a professional sports franchise, right? right so right. there's a huge difference in talking about what you think is going on on the field, like in terms of the performance. And then there's a whole different part that of crossing the line. And that's, that's where the issue is. So, All I'm going to so say me, is he's just mad. I think because maybe Kirk Morrison didn't have that great of a game last weekend. I don't know why Stephen A. Smith's all worked yeah. up. <laughs> I know. You know, man, and, I mean, Jer- Jerry Porter didn't have many catches this year for the uh, Raiders. He had dude. a slow Stuart week. Schweiger, Stuart Schweiger got blown I in coverage. Know, gosh, Jared Cooper got beat. Dude. Hey. But luckily, I think we got a good prospect coming up in next year's draft with Darius Hayward Bay. Can't wait to see who we're going to pick oh, up, man. Man, <laughs> you know, he's a he's a speedster. Oh. You know, I, you know what I'm also really excited about is Todd Marinovich. I think that he would be the oh, next yeah. best answer to the a quarterback because, you know, Derek Carr, he's soft. You know, Derek Carr soft. S-O-F-T oh, yeah. soft. So you soft. know, he, he's soft. Uh, I don't know why he's challenging people to fights. Um, I mean, I don't know, on. dude. Derek Carr is so soft, man. He's played through high ankle sprains. He's played through bruised ribs. He's played broken through concussions, back. broken back. I mean, broken too, yeah, sprained MCL. And so, he, and he was yeah. willing to get back on the field after two weeks and play with a titanium plate bolted to his leg to go hey, after a Super Bowl run. So. He's soft, Not though. only that, but he dunked he dunked on Khalil Mack in pool basketball. <laughs> I love it, Kenny. Kenny, this was a great call, bro. You wrapped <laughs> up a good show, man. I love this stuff. And I'm going to tell you, man, I'm going to give you a quick summary of what we're talking about here, man. Either you get with us or you get lost, and we're taking account. So if you're not jumping on board, bro, get off. Keep doing your thing. Keep sipping uh, the haterade. And you know where we sit here at the Raider Cody Podcast, bro. Oh, hey, right here yes, with sir. y'all. I'm yeah, telling you, man. We're with the nation, bro. We're with the nation. So absolutely, and this is real talk. So if you get if you get bumped into this segment, I apologize because you'll hear about it later, bro. But Kenny, <laughs> Kenny, man, I'm telling you, good stuff. Keep doing your thing, and we'll see you next week, brother. Appreciate y'all. Man, Real Talk with the King has been the perfect finisher for our episodes. I love it. It's becoming my favorite segment. But I tell you, it's unfortunate because whenever you hear it. You know that's the end of the show. Now, we covered a lot of stuff this week, man. We went over the offensive line. And of course, we had our call with Eddie Bersili. And uh, we got our second episode under the belt with the RaidersBeat.com. Um, it was a great one. If you're listening for the first time or if you're here from Raiders Beat, hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure you get involved. Make sure you check out my website, RaiderCody.com. And uh, just like the call-ins, don't be afraid to call in. Even if you've never talked to me, I'll gladly take your opinion, and we'll definitely discuss it on the next show. Next week, I believe we're breaking down running backs. So call it in. That's 808-650-7220. Chris, what would you think of the show? thought it was awesome. thought we brought the fire. I uh, really enjoyed the offensive line position group breakdown. Uh, the segment with Kenny was, was really good. And, uh, you know, like you said, regarding Raiders beat, I just feel like, you know, we had a good thing going here with the podcast. We just needed a home, you know, and I feel like Raiders beat is, is the home that we, oh, yeah. that we needed to kind of be our, uh, our central for our podcast. So I'm, I'm much appreciative. Yeah. So anyone tuned in, make sure you stay tuned in because there's some good stuff to come. And, uh, until next week, Raider nation. See ya later. Let's go. Raiders.